Welcome to Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals, hosted by certified financial planners Justin Brownlee and Jared Machen of Brownlee Wealth Management. The only podcast dedicated to those of you in the oil and gas profession to help you optimize investments, lower future taxes, and grow your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Welcome in. We're going to do a quick talk today about real estate and specifically short-term rentals. So short-term rentals, what are they? Think Airbnb, VRBO, HomeAway, they've become very popular since the pandemic began. Short-term rentals have been around for a long, long time, well before the pandemic. So we want to talk about this topic because if you're going to invest in real estate and you're you're wanting to buy a property with cash flow, appreciation opportunities, and, and as a source of income potentially, short-term rentals are an incredible way to do it, but there are some risks to be aware of. Now, we can back up first and foremost, and I'll just give you my two cents on real estate. I do this because I think everyone can be a little bit biased when you talk about investment opportunities. And and obviously, Brownlee Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. And so we include real estate. As part of our portfolios, we recognize it. Let me put it this way. We, we recognize real estate as if it's one of the 10 or 11 sectors in the economy. So just like we would never want to build a portfolio and exclude technology or finance or consumer defensive or healthcare, any of the regular industries that make up the U.S. economy, we believe that real estate should be in that picture. Now, let me also take it a step further and say, personally, I love real estate. I think it's an incredible way to invest if you are good at it. So some disclaimers here. If you are good at it, there is a reason that real estate has produced an incredible number of millionaires and billionaires. And so that's not a you know coincidence. Real estate is a fantastic asset class. It also has incredible tax opportunities, tax opportunities that, that are not found in many other investments. So I just told you that personally, I love real estate. Now I'm going to give a, a but, but my wife and I, for the most part, plan on steering clear of real estate and not having a very big investment there. And that is uh, more of a, a personal reason, just, just because Brownlee Wealth Management is a company that I spend a lot of time on. And I love it. I love my job, but I'm not looking for a second business. I really like the business I have now. I don't want to have a second business that, that requires attention given towards it. My wife, as I've mentioned before, in law school now, we've got a bunch of kids. We're really excited about all of these things, but the end result, the consequence of this is we do not have the capacity to own a second business. And I firmly believe if you are the one tangibly owning the real estate, or if you are the general partner, it is a second business. There is no such thing as passive income. I have owned a rental property before in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I think I've shared on a podcast that this was my worst investment mistake was selling that selling that property. Even though I wish I would have held onto that property for financial reasons, it made absolutely no sense for us to do it. We hated being landlords. It is not passive. Now, we do need to address the fact that you can invest in real estate as a limited partner. 
That is a, a much, much, much more passive way of doing that. Are you giving up return to the general partner or general partners to the, to the people who manage it? Absolutely. You are giving up return, but it does allow you to partake in real estate, have exposure to the asset class without having an entire business that you are responsible for. Now let's go into a little bit of the details here. All right. So I'm going to minimize the screen here. So we're going to talk short-term rentals, and I just want to give a few pros and a con and some warnings. So real estate's a pretty amazing investment. I think I've already covered this point. The fact that you can use leverage, you can use debt so much easier in real estate than you can public markets. So if you want to buy a low-cost, passively diversified portfolio of index funds or mutual funds or ETFs, Yes, you can technically borrow on it. You can technically use margin to a certain degree. It's not even close to the scale of of how you can use debt to build a real estate empire. So leverage makes a good investment incredible and leverage makes a bad investment catastrophic. And so leverage is not necessarily a good or bad thing. It just amplifies whether something is good or bad. So leverage, tax advantages, cash flow appreciation, like I mentioned, there is a reason that real estate has historically been a massive wealth creator. Let's talk a little bit more specifically. This is a huge pro for short-term rentals. If you want to invest in properties that are are then renting themselves out on, on Airbnb or VRBO, whatever it is, it is an incredible way to maximize your investment, maximize income from that property. So cash flow from a short-term rental, if it's done effectively, again, it it requires proper management. And there's a lot of people that could buy short-term rentals, not manage them very well. And the income and the cash flow could not end up being a very good deal. But if it is managed well, you are likely going to get way more juice out of your squeeze for doing a short-term rental than a long-term rental. Now, this is a, a huge con that I think you should be aware of if you're entering this market, if you're investing in short-term rentals. It is very possible that a short-term rental market can be allowed today and totally shut down tomorrow. You need to understand that this is possible. So I want to I want to first hit on this first point. This is a very big one before the Airbnb boom. So the pandemic really caused short-term rentals to absolutely explode. And that also is going to be a really important point we're going to come back to when we talk about how you should not expect anything close to the returns that you see on some of these investments. If you see that it made 50% in the last year, annualized 28%, I cannot emphasize enough that is not going to be remotely close to realistic lottery odds that that happens for the next two years. But before this short-term rental market boom, so the past two years, it has it has exploded in popularity. But even before that, exclusive places already had short-term rentals illegal. So you already were not allowed to do short-term rentals in many parts of the Hamptons, Palm Beach, I've seen this in the Florida Keys as well, in several other areas. All it takes is a municipality, a city council, an HOA, or any tiny governing body that has control over some of the property laws in the nearby city. If you have a short-term rental there, and maybe it's the city council or whatever tiny governing body that has some control over that area, they can have a meeting, decide that short-term rentals are no longer allowed, and you will have absolutely no no recourse here. You're not going to have control over that situation. And so I, I bring up some of these locations that have already outlawed them because we're talking about 
really popular destinations before the short-term rental boom. So this is way before the pandemic. They already disallowed short-term rentals. And so in some of these locations, if you want to go rent a beach house in one of these places, you have to do it for one month or two months. That is the minimum period possible. I don't think I need to explain that if a, if a local city, if, if there's an ordinance that forces a one or two month minimum stay, your cash flow is going to be severely lowered. It's, it's not, it, it again, it goes back into this point. Cash flow from short-term rentals is drastically better than a long-term vacation rental, but it's also better than a, a long-term tenant just renting the house for two or three years. So again, HOA, city council, whatever local governing body, they can disallow short-term rentals. You need to make sure your investment can still stand strong with significantly less cash flow. That's a critical point. You've got to understand that. And here's a big warning. So I hinted at this earlier. Do not expect anything remotely close to the one-year or annualized ROIs posted by a general partner or posted by a, a, a real estate investment firm that's wanting you to invest with them. And I'll dive into this later. I just picked this as an example off of a popular site that invests in Airbnbs. And this is not anything negative about this company at all. It's, it's, it's not at all. But you look at some of these numbers. So cash flow, 19%, 22%, year one ROI, 51%, both of these near 40%, annual ROI. The average of these three is over 25% annual ROI. So a return on investment that has an annual return of, of you know, let's go with 25%, that means that it is doubling in value in less than three years. So if you put a million dollars into something and it grows at 25% a year, that means that in about two and a half, little under three years, it's now going to be worth two million. And then again, in another two and a half years, it's going to be worth four million and then eight million and then 16 million. My point in sharing this, this is not remotely close to sustainable. It's not going to continue. And let's be a little bit more specific. I'm not just saying that because those are high returns. I'm saying that because of the second point. U.S. real estate just finished potentially the greatest 24-month stretch ever. And at least in the last 50, 100 years, what's happened in U.S. real estate is extraordinarily unique and historic. I mean, there are, there have been properties. I've had friends in, in Houston that bought a house in, in 2017, 2018, and then they sold it in 2021 for double what they bought it for. And so what's happened in a short period of time is not normal. If you see a 40%, 50% return posted on some of these uh, investment sites that are doing short-term rentals, one, real estate in general saw appreciation that is historic and it's absolutely not happening this year. Starting now for the next 12 months, 24 months, the odds of real estate going up another 40% are so absurdly low. But two, in addition to real estate just appreciating in value to an absolutely ridiculous degree, short-term rentals boomed. Short-term rental prices exploded. And so it was an unbelievable cash cow. So even the ability to continue to grow the cash flow. So if you bought an, a property that you planned on Airbnb in, in 2019, you saw a rise in, in cash flow and income from that property that was absolutely enormous because short-term rentals exploded in popularity. 
I'm not saying that that's going to go away, and I think the popularity is going to be there, but the growth of that cash flow is absolutely going to stagnate. You're not going to be able to rent out an Airbnb for for 50% more a year from now that you could two years earlier, and that is what happened over the past two, three years in real estate. The amount you were able to charge per night exploded. It went way up. Pent-up demand, post-pandemic, lots of discretionary income. Economy was in an incredible spot, not to mention... A lot of different government assistance and and, and dollars being sent out and stimulus. So enormous opportunity to increase the short-term rates that you were charging. And that is not going to... I think the prices could stay where they are, but no, the prices are not going to keep doubling every 12 months. So I just share this to say, when you look at these returns, this is not a scam. I, I think it's likely completely legitimate. I think this is probably what happened to a T. But I'm warning you, what happened in real estate, this is not because, you know, of some magical, you know, general partner that made perfect decisions. This is because this was the greatest two-year stretch to invest in real estate potentially ever in the U.S., or at least greatest two-year stretch for anyone who's alive today. And so, no, these numbers are not going to be replicated. You should not expect anything remotely close to those numbers. And... I think the last thing to say here, not all general partners are equal. So if you're going to yourself go buy a bunch of homes and manage them yourself, your return is going to directly be tied to how good you are at managing those. You need to be really good at picking the right property. You need to be really good at the ongoing maintenance and, and service and cleaning of the property. You need to be really good at marketing the property. You need to have it on every different platform you can. You need to be really good at raising the nightly rent while still keeping occupancy high. You are a manager and you need to be a great manager. And if you do this yourself and your neighbor does it and And you are much, much better at it than your neighbor at at all of the process that's involved in in doing this. You're going to make way more money than your neighbor. So my point in sharing this, we've talked about this this before, efficient markets versus inefficient markets. We like to say that the stock market is relatively efficient. So that means that you should not you should not pay someone enormous amounts of money for their wisdom in the markets or their ability to navigate the markets. Everything we know about market prices is likely correct. There is not some ability to go pay Goldman Sachs 2% on your investments and have them magically outperform the market because they know more about the markets than someone else. That is just emphatically not true. But why is that not true? It's, it's, it's not true because the stock market is efficient. Real estate is much less efficient, bordering on inefficient. So I share that to say in a stock portfolio, you want to be mindful of fees. You want passive exposure. There is no secret wisdom that that some companies know or some advisors know and other people don't know. That's not necessarily true in real estate. A good general partner is likely going to beat a bad general partner. Same is true in private equity. A good private equity firm is likely going to outperform a bad private equity firm. Even if you have to pay a little bit more to invest with Bain Capital in private equity, I would, the analogy that I like to use is that is a vastly better idea to pay a little bit more to be with a really good group that knows what they're doing rather than somebody's who graduated from SMU Business School and started a private equity fund in Dallas. Steer clear of that. They're probably not in the universe that the top PE people are. And the reason for that, that's an inefficient market. 
And so expertise matters in inefficient markets. Real estate is a lot less efficient than the stock market. So you need to make sure your general partner knows what they're doing. They have a track record. They're good at what they do. Love this topic. So by and large, I think you can tell I love real estate as an investment, but I also give you the disclaimer. I'm not planning on buying a lot of real estate myself. I do like passive real estate exposure where you are an LP with a great GP. I also like some of the real estate funds that are just publicly traded securities. So I I, I love real estate as an asset class, but you do need to be careful as you think about short-term rentals. Long story short, I think it could be an amazing investment, but there are some risks involved and you do need to understand that, hey, the returns that have happened recently, probably not happening for the next two years. Let me know if you have any questions and we'll wrap it up with that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can subscribe or connect with us at brownleewealthmanagement.com or send ideas for future episodes to podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Thanks and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed during this show or episode should be viewed as investment, legal, and tax advice. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please consult the appropriate qualified professional.